Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Oh my gosh, do you remember you used to say that every time? Really? Yeah, you used to say hello, hello, hello. But you, yeah. But then you just stopped probably in the summer, like when we got really flaky. Wow. Because, like, we were working on our hot girl summer. We were not, we were not working on our hot girl summer. We were just busy sleeping, sleeping in. <laughs> All right. Well, while Peyton organizes her first aid kit, I'm not kidding you, I will start. How's your first aid kit looking? Because I have a first aid kit in my fanny pack. Yep. She has a cute leather fanny. Actually, I think it's like fake leather, but it's cute. It's from Tartar. Little Target. Little Target. I wonder why Target named itself Target. Like, do we need a bear? Should we I, have a place called Bone Bear? I don't know, but do you want to hear a story about when Target first opened here in the town that it, that we yeah. I grew up in? So Target opened, uh-huh. and... Never like you could <laughs> you could put your name in a drawing to win toys and I won and my I had the choice between a new bike or twin dolls and I was like a little kid so I chose twin dolls I wonder if like my mom took the bike and like sold it or like <laughs> and then, the bike Yeah because the bike was probably like really expensive oh, way had, more expensive Oh you had a doll and a toy bike no, no, no. I won. And the, my two options that I, I got to choose from were a bike or these twin baby dolls. And I was like, twins! Why do you think your mom sold them? Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, I have to say, like, if you... Okay, this is terrible to say, but I'm just saying. If your name was drawn and you, they said she's won a $200 bike or a $40 doll, I would say, I'll take the bike and then we would, like, sell it. And then I would go buy you the dolls, so we would have a little bit of extra money. I'm just saying that's probably a terrible thing. Not great. But all I'm saying is, like, I'm not saying that I would do that, but I'm not not saying that I would do that also. (laughs) Anyways, just, you know, coming from, hey, I was a single mom for very long, and that would have gotten me a lot of Starbucks. You should have done it. No, no, no. Like, I was a little kid. I didn't know. I was, like, probably your age. And I'm like, bike, blah. Who wants to be outside, blah. I would have gotten the bike. No, you would. You don't play outside. I don't need the bike to play outside. I would have sold it. Oh, yeah. See, you're smarter than me. <laughs> you said you were my age. I don't even. Yeah, probably. Play with I'll, I'll look. I'll check to see when it opened, and that would be interesting to actually know how old I was. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. Chapter 12: a, a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket, book the ninth, the carnivorous. Carnival, not cannibalistic carnival. Chapter 12. When the Baudelaire orphans finally opened their eyes, they found that they had stumbled to the, into the entrance of Madame Lulu's fortune-telling tent with the initials VFD still staring out at them. Most of the carnival visitors had walked over to the lion pit to see the show, so the siblings were alone in the fading afternoon, and once again, 
There was no one watching over them while they stood in front of the tent, trembling and crying quietly. The last time that they had Wait, stood... They well, because they just saw people be eaten alive. Oh. Yeah. But, well, I mean, do, did they get eaten? I don't know. That's... This is crazy that this is a kid's book. I'm just saying. Last time they stood for so long at the tent's entrance, the decorations had seemed to change before their very eyes until they saw that it was not painting of an eye or or the insignia of an organization that might help them. Does that say or? Did I just make that up? Or? Oh, but the insignia of an organization that might help them. Now they stood and stared at it again, hoping that someone would change. Something would change before their very eyes until they saw what what it was that they could do. But nothing seemed to change no matter how hard they looked, and the carnival remained silent in the, in the, in the afternoon that continued to creep towards the evening, and the insignia on the tent simply stared back at the weeping Baudelaire's. I wonder where that fan belt is, Violet said, finally. Her voice was faint and almost hoarse, but her tears had stopped. I wonder if it fell to the ground or if it was thrown into the tracks of the roller coaster or if it ended up... That's what she's wondering. Uh, yeah, that's what she's... How can you think of that when, uh, fan belt at a time like this, Klaus? Although his voice was not angry. Oh, Klaus said. Like his sister, he was still trembling inside the shirt that they shared and felt very tired as often is the case for after a long cry. Sorry. It's okay. Make as much noise as you want. It's fine. They love background noises. Listeners love that, Peyton. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't want to think about anything else, Violet said. I don't want to think about Madame Lulu and the lions, and I don't want to think about Count Olaf and the crowd, and I don't want to think about whether or not we did the right thing. Right, Sunny said gently. I agree, Klaus said. We did the best we could, and I'm not sure that Violet... I'm not sure that Violet replied that I had the, I had the fan belt in my hand. It was all we needed to finish the invention and escape from this awful place. You couldn't finish the invention, Klaus said. We, sur- we were surrounded by a crowd of people who wanted to see someone thrown to the lions. It's not your fault that she fell inside instead. And that she fell instead. And bald, Sonny added. Oh, because the bald man got a little caputity, too. Yep. Okay. <laughs> but we made the crowd even more fantastic, Violet said. First... Oh, oh, even more frantic, Violet said. First we stalled the show, and then we used the mob psychology to get them excited about throwing somebody into the pit. Oh, Count Olaf is the one who thought it up, thought of this ghastly scheme, Klaus said. What happened to Madame Lulu is not our fault. It is his. We promised to take her with us, Violet insisted, but Madame Lulu kept her promise and didn't tell Count Olaf who we were, but we didn't keep ours. We tried, Klaus said, and we tried to keep ours. It is not good enough, Violet said. Are we going to try to find our parents, or are we going to try and defeat Count Olaf? Yes, Sunny. Sunny said firmly and wrapped her arms around Violet's leg. The eldest Baudelaire looked down at her sister, and her eyes filled with tears. Why are we here, she asked. We we thought that we could put our disguises and get ourselves out of trouble, but we're worse off than we were when we began. We don't even know what VFE stands for. We don't know where the Snicket file is, and we don't know if one of our parents is really alive. There are some things that we might not know, Klaus said, but that doesn't mean that we should give up. We can find out what we need to know. We can find out anything. Violet smiled through her tears. You should. You sound like a researcher, she said. The middle Baudelaire reached into his pocket and pulled out his glasses. I am a researcher. Jinx. Jinx. You know what you used to say? Jinx, pinks, yummy soda. You didn't oh, know. Yeah, it was... That's what Molly said. 
Oh, that was what Molly said? Yeah. Oh, that's her sister. I always get... Oh, man, now I'm at that age. I'm getting old. I'm mixing you guys up. <laughs> I am a researcher, he said, and stepped toward the entrance of the, to the tent. <coughs> Sorry, you guys. It sounds like you're making fun of him. <clears throat> Sorry, I spelled wrong. Let's get to work. Jeed, Sunny said, Jeed. which meant something like, oh, I almost forgot about the archival library. And she followed her siblings through the flap of the tent. As soon as the Baudelaire orphans stepped inside, they saw that Madame Lulu had made up quite a few preparations for her escape with the children, and it made them very sad to think that she would have never returned to the fortune-telling tent to collect her things that she'd been waiting for. That was very sad. That was one sentence. <sighs> yes, they, the, the run-on sentences. That's why I mess up so much, because I never get a break. There was a, cupboard, there was a cupboard box standing next to the cupboard, filled with food that could be eaten on the journey, and... Anne laid out on the table next to Madame Lulu's replacement crystal ball was various parts of lighting devices that she had dissembled. It was a large piece of paper that was badly torn and looked odd, but the Baudelaire saw at once that it could help them. Also, one sentence. <sighs> <laughs> it's a map, Violet said. It's a map. It's a map. It's a map. No, 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 it's, it's a map. No, it's, it's a map. No, Sorry. No, it's I'm a map. I'm no. A map. No, I know, but it says it's a map. Yeah, but it's I'm. Listen, I had... Ugh, never mind. Shush. Just it's, saying. I had to improvise. It's I. It's a map of Mortmain Mountain. She must have had it among her papers. Klaus put his glasses on and peered closely. The mountains must be very cold this time of year, he said. I didn't realize the altitude was so high. Never mind the altitude, Violet said. Can you find the headquarters Lulu was talking about? Uh, let's see, Klaus said. Well, there's a star next to the Plath Pass... But the key says that the star indicates a campground. Key? Sunny asked. The chart on the corner of this map is called a key, Klaus explained. You see? The map mar- marker explains each what each symbol means so that the map doesn't get too cluttered. There's a black rectangle there. In richer range. <sighs> in richer range, she said. See? Over in the east? A black triangle indicates hibernation grounds, Klaus said. There must be quite a few bears in the Mortmain Mountains. Look, there are five hibernation grounds near Silent Springs and a large cluster of them at the top of Posity Peak. Posity, Posity. Me either. And here, Violet said, in the Valley of Four Drafts, where it looks like Madame Lulu spilled coffee. Valley of Four Drafts, Klaus said. VFD! Is that it? Oh, come on! It is? Okay. Uh, yes, no, maybe so. Oh, gosh, you just will never, you will never tell us. Baudelaire's peered together at the spot on the map. The valley for, the valley of four drafts was high up in the mountain, Mount Mormon, Mount, oh my gosh, Mortmain Mountains, where, that is, the, that is a, that is a dumb word, Mortmain, Mortmain Mountains, Mortmain can't even say that ten times fast. You have to say Mortmain Mort Main Mountains ten times fast. Go. Mortmain Mountains, Mortmain Mountains, Mortmain Mountains, Mortmain Mountains. It just feels like it's wrong. Comes off of your, uh, slips off the tongue wrong. Where it was, where it's very cold. The stricken stream began here, and the wound, and the wound, oh, and wound. Oh my gosh, Jesus! And wound its way down to the sea in sagging curves through the hinterlands, and the map showed many, many hibernation grounds along the way. There was a small brown stain in the center of the valley where four gaps in the mountain came together where Lulu had probably spilled coffee. But 
There were no markings for the headquarters anywhere else. Do you think that that's what that means, Viola asked? Or do you think it's just a coincidence like all the other VFDs we came across? I thought that the V in VFD stood for volunteer, Klaus said. That's what we found written on the page of the Quagmire notes. It's what Jacques Snicket said. Ah, bueno, Jacques. Bueno, like Genevieve, Gigi. Um, wow, Sunny said, which meant, but where else could the headquarters be? There's no other marking on the map. Well, if VFD is a secret organization, Violet said, they might not put the headquarters on a map. Or it could be marked secretly, Klaus said. He leaned in to take a good look at the stain. Maybe it's just not a stain, he said. Maybe it's a secret marking. Maybe Madame Lulu put some coffee on it on purpose so she could find the headquarters and nobody else could. Well, I guess we're going to have to travel there, Violet said, and find out. How are we going to travel there, Klaus said. We don't know where the fan belt is. We might be missing some parts, Violet replied, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't give up. I can build something else. Why don't they just walk? <laughs> is it like way too far? No, it's up a mountain. Oh. You sound like an inventor, he said. Violet smiled and took her ribbon out of her pocket. I, I am an inventor. We are supposed to say that together. That was not harmonious. I, I am an inventor. Girl. Wow, you're so amazing. We are more wonderful. She said, and I'll look around here to see if there's anything else we can use. Klaus, you look under the table for the archival, ar- archival library. Oh, I thought you were going to fling that at me. Oh, no. my gosh. That's cute. We better get, our, get out of our clothes, we're sharing, Klaus said, or we can't do two things at once. In greedy, Sunny said, which meant, meanwhile, I'll look through this food and make sure that we have everything we need to prepare meals. Is that what? Do you know what greedy is? To, um, the gritty. No, in greedy. I know, but do you know what? That reminds me of a dance. Do oh. you know what the gritty is? No, what's the gritty? Oh. Okay, I'm going to read you. Show me what the gritty is. I'm like already embarrassed and cringing. Good idea, Violet said. We better hurry before someone finds us. Yeah, what are they taking their time for? Hurry up. Get out of here. Get a move on it. There you are, called the voice from the oh, entrance yeah. of the tent, and the Baudelaire's jumped Violet hurriedly stuffed the ribbon back into her pocket and Klaus removed his glasses so that they could turn around revealing their disguise. Oh, without revealing their disguise. Count Olaf and Esme Squall were standing together in the doorway of the tent with their arms around one another, looking tired but happy. As if the two parents, as if two parents were coming home after a long day of work instead of a vicious villain and his scheming girlfriend coming from a fortune, coming into a fortune teller's tent after an afternoon of violence. Oh, that's the dance? Yeah. Okay, that is... That's not even a day. Okay, I see. Okay. It is. Esme Squalor was clutching small bouquet of ivy and her boyfriend had apparently given her and Count Olaf was holding a flaming torch which was shining as brightly as his wicked eyes. Oh, that's cute, Payne. I've been looking everywhere for you two, he said. What are you doing in here? What are you doing in here? Well, we decided to let all you freaks join us, Esme said, even though you weren't very courageous at the lion pit. Well, that's very high... A kind offer, Violet said, but you don't want cowards like us in your troop. Trope, trope, troop, trope. I don't know, guys. Yeah. I feel like trope is like a villain word in our trope. I don't know. We sure do, Count Olaf said with a nasty smile. We keep losing assistance and it's always good to have a few spare. I even asked the woman who runs out of the, out, who runs the gift caravan to join us, but she was too worried about her precious figurines to know the opportunity was knocking. 
Besides, Esme said, stroking Olaf's hair, you don't really have any choice. We're going to burn this carnival down and eliminate the evidence that we've been here. Most of the tents are already on fire, and the carnival visitors and the carnival workers are running for their lives. If you don't join us, where can you possibly go? The Baudelaire's looked at one another. I guess you're right, Klaus said. Of course we're right, Esme said. Now get out of here and help us pack the trunk. Oh, wait a minute, Count Olaf said and strode over to the table. What's this? He demanded. Oh, come on! It looks like a map. It is a map, Klaus admitted. A map of Mount Main Mortons. The Mort Main Mountains, Count Olaf said, examining the map. Why is that? Why, that's where we're heading, Lulu. Said that if there's a parent alive, they'd be hiding up there. Does the map show where the headquarters are? Okay, honestly, <gasps> duh, just get a ride with them. Yeah. I think those black rectangles indicate the headquarters, Esme said, peering over Olaf's shoulders. I'm pretty good at reading maps. Oh, the black uh, rectangles are hibernating, right? Yeah, 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 that's the headquarters. Go there. No, they represent campgrounds, Olaf said, looking at the key when he broke his face into a smile. Wait a minute, he said, and he pointed to the stain that the Baudelaire's have been examining. I haven't seen any one of these in a long time, he said, stroking his chin. A small brown stain, Esme said. You saw that this morning. This is a coated stain, Count Olaf said. I thought this was, this, I was taught this was used on maps since I was a little boy to mark a secret location. Ex- except a smashing genius, Esme said. I guess we're heading for the Valley of Four Drafts. No. VFD, Count Olaf said and giggled. That's appropriate. Well, let's go. Is anything else useful in here? The Baudelaire's looked quickly under the table where the archival library was hidden. Underneath the black tablecloth decorated with silver stars was all crucial information that Madame Lulu had gathered to give her visitors what they wanted. The children knew that all sorts of important secrets would be found to gather the paper, and they shuddered to think that Count Olaf would do if he discovered all of those secrets. I guess distract him with the food, right? Nope, Klaus finally said, nothing else useful. Count Olaf frowned and kneeled down, so his face was right next to Klaus's. Even without his glasses, the middle Baudelaire could see that Olaf had not washed his one eyebrow for quite some time, and I could smell his breath as he s- and could smell his breath as he spoke. I think you're lying to me, the villain said, and waved his lit torch at Klaus's face. My other head is telling the truth, Violet said. When then what is that food doing there? Olaf demanded, pointing to the cardboard cardboard box. Don't you think food will be useful in our journey? Baudelaire sighed in relief. Grr, Sonny growled. Chabo compliments your cleverness, Klaus said, and so do we. We hadn't noticed that box. That is why I am the boss, Count Olaf said, because I am smart and I have good eyesight. He laughed nastily and put the torch in Klaus's hand. Now then, he said, I want you to light this tent on fire and bring the box of food to the car. Chabo, come with me. I'm sure you'll find something to sink your teeth into. Grr, Sonny said doubtfully. Chabo would prefer to stay with us, Violet said. I couldn't care less what Chabo would prefer, Olaf snared, and picked up the youngest Baudelaire as if she were a watermelon. Now get busy. Oh, gosh. Count Olaf and Esme Squalor walked out of the tent with Chabo, leaving the elder, Bo- elder Baudelaire's alone with a flaming torch. We better pick up the box first, Klaus said, and, and light the tent from outside. Otherwise, we're going to be surrounded by flames in no time. Are we going to follow Olaf's orders? Violet asked, looking at the table again. The archival library is 
might be the the answers to all of our questions. Well, I don't think we have a choice, Klaus said. Olaf is burning down the whole carnival. And riding with him is the only chance to get up Mortmain Mountain. Yeah? You're going way too fast. Why? Okay, sorry. You don't have time to invent something, and I don't have time to look through the library. We could find one of the other carnival employees, Violet said, and then ask if they would help us. Everyone either thinks that we're freaks or murderers, Klaus said. Sometimes I even think so. If we join Count Olaf, Violet said, we might become more freakish than murderous. But if we don't join him, Klaus said, where can we possibly go? I don't know, Violet said, but it can't be right. But this can't be the right thing to do, can it? Maybe, maybe it's har- harem scarum, said Klaus, like Olivia said. Maybe it is, Violet said, and walked awkwardly with her brother on brother to the cardboard with her brother to the cardboard box and picked it up. Klaus held the torch and the two butlers walked out of the fortune telling tent at the, for the last time when they stepped out. Wait, did they grab all the information? Yeah. When they stepped out, still wearing the same pair of pants, it seemed that the night had fallen, although the air was black and not blue, not blue of the famous Henderland sunset. But then Violet and Klaus realized that the air was filling with smoke looking around they saw that many of the tents in the caravans were already on fire, as Count Olaf had said, and the flames were bellowing back up smoke into the sky. Around them, the last of the carnival visitors were rushing to escape from Olaf's treachery, and in the distance, the siblings could hear panicking roars of the lions, who were still trapped in the pit. This isn't the kind of violence I like, shouted a man with pimples on his face. Okay, if the lions die, I'm going to be really disappointed in this book. Do they? You don't know. Oh, shouted. Oh, gosh. I prefer when other people are in danger. Me too, said the reporter from the Daily Punctilio, running alongside him. Olaf told me that the Baudelaire's are responsible. I can see the headlines now. Baudelaire's continue their live of, lives of crime. I, I don't know how they would be responsible. You know. What kind of children would do such a terrible thing? Asked the man with a pimple chin, but Violet and Klaus could not hear the answer over the voice of the Count Olaf. Hurry up, you two-headed freak, he called from around the corner. If you don't come here this minute, we're leaving without you. Grr, said, growled Sunny frantically at the sound of their baby sister's disguised voice. The other Baudelaire's threw the torch and lit the fortune-teller's tent and ran towards Olaf's voice without looking back although it wouldn't have mattered if they had looked. There was so much fire and so much smoke around them burning the tents that they wouldn't have even made the carnival look different. The only difference was that they would have known that part of the fire was their own devastating, their own devising, a phrase here which means because of their part in Count Olaf's treachery. And although neither Violet and Klaus saw this with their own eyes, they knew that in their hearts, and I doubt that they would ever forget. When the Baudelaire's rounded the corner, they saw that Olaf's other henchmen were already waiting in the long black automobile, which was parked in the front of the freak's caravan. Hugo, Colette, and Kevin were crowded in the back seat, and the two white-faced women, with the white-faced woman, while Esme Squalor sat in the front, and with I don't know, with Sunny on her lap. The hook-handed man took out the box of the old that the Baudelaire's handed them and threw it in the trunk with Count Olaf as he pointed to the caravan with his whip, which looked like which looked much shorter 
and rough around the edges. You two will ride in that, he said. What is it? He said, we're going to attach it to an automobile and pull you along with us. Isn't there room in the car, Violet asked nervously. Don't be ridiculous, the hook-handed man said with a sneer. It's too crowded. Good thing Colette is a contortionist so she can curl up into a ball at our feet. Chavo has already gnawed my whip down so it could be used for a connecting rope, Olaf said. I'll just tie the caravan to the car with a slip knot and we'll ride off into the sunset. Um, excuse me, Violet said, but I know it's... I know a knot called the Devil's Tongue that I think will hold better. And if I remember the map correctly, Klaus said, we should ride east until we find the Snicket Stream. And so we should drive that way from the sunset. Yeah, yes, 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 Count Olaf said quickly. That's what I meant. Tie it yourself if you want. I'll start the engine. Olaf tossed the rope to Klaus while the hook-handed man reached into the trunk again and brought a pair of walkie-talkies to the children. Rem- brought out a pair of walkie-talkies the children remembered when they were living at Olaf's home. Take one of these, he said, putting it in Violet's hand so we can contact you if you need something. Hurry up, Count Olaf snapped, talking the other walkie-talkie. This air is filling of smoke. Does the baby ride up with them in the front seat the whole time? Oh my gosh, that would make me nervous. The villain and his henchmen got into the automobile, and Violet and Klaus knelt down to attach the van I cannot believe I'm using this not to help Count Olaf. She said it feels like I'm using my invention skills to participate in something wicked. We're all participating, Klaus said gloomily. Sunny used her teeth to cut that whip for the connecting road, and I used my map skills to tell Olaf which direction to head. Well, at least we'll get there, too, said Violet. And maybe one of our parents will be waiting for us there. There. The knot's tied. Let's get into the caravan. I wish we could ride with Sunny, Klaus said. We are, Violet said. We're just not getting, we're not getting to the Mortmain Mountains on the, the way we want, but we're getting there, and that's what counts. I hope so, Klaus said. I know. And he and his sister stepped into the freak's caravan and shut the door. Count Olaf started the engine of the car, and the caravan began to rock gently back and forth as the automobile pulled them, pulled them away from the carnival. The hammock swayed above two siblings, and the rack of clothing creaked beside them. But the knot Violet had tied held fast, and the two vehicles began traveling up the direction that Klaus had pointed. We may as well get comfortable, Violet said, and we'll be traveling a long time. All night, at least, Klaus said, and probably most of the next day. I hope that they'll stop and share the food. Well, maybe we can make some hot chocolate later, Violet said. With cinnamon, Klaus smiled, and thought of, and thought of Sunny's recipe. But what should we do in the meantime? Violet sighed, and she and her brother sat down on a chair so that she could lay her head on the table, with which was shaking slightly as the caravan headed out to the hinderlands. The eldest Baudelaire put down the walkie-talkies next to the set of dominoes. Let's just sit, she said, and think. Klaus nodded in agreement, and the two Baudelaires sat for the rest of the afternoon in the automobile that pulled them further and further away from the burning carnival. Violet tried to imagine what VFD headquarters might look like and hoped that one of her parents would be there. Klaus tried to imagine what Olaf and his troop trope were talking about and hoped that Sunny was not too frightened. And both of the older Baudelaire's thought about all that happened to Caligari Carnival and wondered whether or not they had done the right thing. They had disguised themselves in order to find the answers to the questions, and now the answers were burning un- under Madame Lulu's table. As her archival library went up in smoke, they had 
encourage their workers to find employment somewhere else and they wouldn't be considered freaks. Somewhere else that they wouldn't be considered freaks. And now they just had Joey count Olaf's evil trope. I don't think it's troop because troop is T-R-O-U-P. Trope is, I think it's trope because there's an E at the end. Yeah. And they had promised Madame Lulu that they would take her with them so that she could lead them to VFD and become a noble person again. But she had fallen into the lion pit and become nothing but a meal. Violet and Klaus thought about all of the troubles that they were in and wondered if it was due to the simple misfortune or if somebody, or if it was some of their own devising. They were not the most pleasant thoughts in the world, but it still felt good to sit and think about them. Instead of hiding and lying frantically to think up plans, it was peaceful and peaceful to sit and think of the freak's care think in the freak's caravan, even when the caravan tilted slightly as they reached the beginning of Mort Main Mountain and began to head uphill. It was so peaceful to think to sit and think that both Violet and Klaus felt as if they were walking up from a long, waking up from a long sleep when Count Olaf's voice came on the walkie-talkie. Are you, are you there, Olaf asked. Press the red button to speak to me. Violet rubbed her eyes and picked up the walkie-talkie and held it so both she and her brother could, could hear. We're here, she said. Good, Count Olaf said, because I want to tell you that I learned something else from Madame Lulu. What did you learn, Klaus said. There was a pause, and the two children could hear cruel, her cruel peals of laughter coming from the small device in Violet's hand. I learned that you are the Baudelaire's, Olaf cried. Is that right? Do you remember that? Yeah. I learned that you are the three brats that followed me here and tricked me with the sneaky disguises, but I'm too clever for you, Olaf began to laugh, and... But over his laughter, the two siblings could hear another sound that made them feel shaky. It was sunny, and she was whimpering in fear. Don't hurt her, Violet cried. Don't you dare hurt her. Hurt her, Count Olaf said. Why I wouldn't dream of hurting her? After all, I need one orphan to steal the fortune. First, I'm going to make sure that both of your parents are dead. Then I'm going to use that sunny to become very, very rich. No, I wouldn't worry about this buck tooth torp not yet if i were you i'd worry about yourselves say bye bye to your sister boda brats oh that's funny boda brats <laughs> but we're tied together klaus said we hitched our caravan to you look out the window count olaf said as he hung out his walkie-talkie violet and klaus looked at one another and then staggered to their feet and moved the curtain away from the window the curtain parted as if they were watching a play and if i were you i would pretend that this is a play instead of a book and perhaps the tragedy is written written by william shakespeare and that you're leaving the theater early to go home under a sofa because you will read this read that there and it was a certain expression that i'm sorry to say wait whoa, whoa, whoa. because you will recall that there was a certain expression that i am sorry to say must be the the must be used three times before this story is over and it is the 13th chapter which is the expression will be used thir the third time the chapter is very short because the end of the story happens so quickly that it does not take many words to describe but this chapter does not contain the third occasion required the expression the belly of the beast and you would be wise to leave before this chapter begins because that because that time didn't count. Is it really that short? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's pretty short. Okay, well, let's uh, finish this 13th chapter, okay?